Y'all bow with me. Most gracious and loving Heavenly Father, I come to you right now, Father, just to, to say thank you. Father, I thank you for your guidance and your direction. I thank you, Father, for your grace and your mercy. Thank you, Father, that you've brought us together this morning in your house to hear this wonderful singing. Thank you, Father, for the ones that have, have, have brought your word to the ministry of music this morning. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to stand before this congregation and share this message that you have placed on my heart. Pray that you would open each mind and each heart to receive it as your word this morning. Pray, Father, for changes to take place. Pray, Father, for lives to be touched and changed, for hearts to be touched and changed. Father, I know that I'm not capable of this, but you are. And I pray that you do that this morning. Again, Father, I, I just thank you for the opportunity. Thank you, Father, for my health, the ability to, to stand before them this morning. Father, I pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, it is so good to be back up here. So good. It, it's only been two weeks. I promise it was only two Sundays. Man, it feels like a month. Um, I know a lot of you have asked. Yes, I'm doing better. Uh, I finally figured out what's going on, and, and uh, I was down for five days for, with the flu. Uh, ain't no different than anybody else has done. The only thing is they kept telling me I didn't have the flu. Um, went to the doctor two or three times that week. Uh, that's, I've been working a public job since I was 14 years old, and I've never missed over two days at a time in my life. And I missed five days. I mean, not flat on my back, could not move, could not function. I thought a few times I was dying. I started making plans and arrangements and asking God, who's going to take care of my wife and my daughter? I really thought it was the end. It was bad. Uh, but finally got everything figured out a week and a half after it all started. They figured out, in fact, I did have the flu, which was too late. I didn't live through it. Um, but then I went to a specialist about the cough, and, and I, all this time we've been treating my lungs and, and doing inhalers and all that kind of stuff and come to find out it's not in my lungs, it's in my head. Um, as Amanda put it, if what we're doing now don't work out, i got to have my head examined. Um, and Tommy Lee said this morning all they'll find is green water and God's word. So um, that may be a surprise to them. So anyway, I am so glad. And the reason I say all that is to say thank you, thank you, thank you for your prayers. I, I appreciate all everybody's done. Uh, Kirby covered me one su uh, Sunday while I was out. Nathan has taken care of Awanas while I've been gone. So many people have filled in behind me, but without the prayers. Thank you so much for, for seeing the importance of it and, and lifting my name up and, and my family up. I am so grateful to be a part of this family of God. This, not a family, this family. Um, I'm just so thankful to be here. Um, I have a, a message for you this morning. I will tell you that over the course of the two weeks that I've been gone, many messages have come um, across these pages and through a pen, but this is the one we've landed on for this morning. I will tell you that some of the things that I wrote and read while I was out, I did wad up and throw away because the medication was heavy. 
Um, and only after I so-called sobered up did I realize that that's probably not what we need to preach from the pulpit. We'll get rid of that one. Um, so, you know, it's, uh, I think me and Sean was talking about it, and I told him that, and he said, you know, I, it's kind of like reading, trying to read a book when you're drunk. I said, well, I don't know what that's like, but yeah, probably, similar to that. Um, it, you just nothing adds up and nothing tallies up, and you get done, and you go back and look at it and go, whoo that was some good medication, you know. Um, every time I went back, they just upped my antibiotics, and I don't know where they finally got me to, but whew, it was a wonderland, let me tell you. <clears throat> so anyway... All of those have been thrown out and cast out, and we're not there this morning. This one is one uh, that came to me while I was uh, sober-minded um, and on nothing but just a Benadryl at night. I did find out, while we're on the subject, um, the guy that I went to found out that it was in my head. My sinuses is what my problem is, not my lungs. Um, he put me on a regimen of a Benadryl every night, and he said, of course, he didn't, and he talked good English, but he wasn't from here. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Um, he said, he said, <laughs> he said, um, Christy got it, it nailed her, boy. <laughs> he said, um, it'd be good for one Benadryl a, a day. Most people not function on two. I said, well, I'm a pretty tough guy, I can probably do that. And he said, don't try during the week. I said, I got you. So I was taking one a night, and last Saturday, I said, well, he said it would be good to have two, so I didn't have nothing to do last Saturday. I decided I'd take that other Benadryl in the morning, Saturday morning. Yeah, I, yeah that I, I can't function on that. No, no, no. I did it again Sunday, because trying just trying to get ahead of this cough thing. That's why I stayed at home last Sunday. I did it again Sunday. Um, I got up at 7. I cooked breakfast, and uh, Montana was sick and not feeling good, so they had decided to stay home. I said, well, I'm going to take another one of them Benadryls and just see what happens. It may be the second one. I, yeah, by 9 o'clock, I was asleep, and I didn't know the world was turning until after 1, so I can't function on Benadryl. Exactly. Exactly. Hebrews chapter 12. Um, I was talking to some friends yesterday. Um, and they are always inquisitive about um, what I'm going to be preaching to. I don't know if you've ever been a preacher, but people will do that on, especially Saturday. Where are you going to preach tomorrow, Ness? And I'm going, I can't tell you that, you know. Um, of course, they don't go to church here, so um, he said, you can tell me the, the title. He said, you've always got a good title. And I told him the title, and he said, now you do realize you have to sing that when you announce what the title is. And I said, brother, you know. He said, no, no, you've got to. He said, now remember, I, I watch you or listen on SoundCloud. I, he said, I listen to either you or Kevin every morning on SoundCloud, so I'll know if you've done this or not. He said, you have to sing that title. There's no way you can't not sing that title. And I'm going, because there is really a really good reason why I'm not going to sing that title. He said, you have to. And then his wife chimes in, and they've got me all fired up. And I come in this morning, I'm going, I'm going to sing that title. And I, I seen Savannah up here, and I said, I'll get Savannah, pull her to the side, and get her to sing it for me. And then, then it won't, they won't be so disturbed by my singing. <clears throat> we'll be in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 today. And because good friends pressured me into it, <laughs> our title is, Let It Go, Let It Go. <coughs> so, for Chris Lovett, I sang the title. Y'all stand as we read the scriptures this morning. 
the purpose of coming up with these crazy titles or God giving me these crazy titles and, and doing things like this and using the videos and all that stuff is to make things sit with you. The purpose of it is so when you hear that in the future, this message is what rings in your mind. The purpose of it and where it comes from for me is when I was a kid growing up in church right down the road here with Brother Max Pinkleton, his thing was hunting stories. It was a possum hunting story or a coon hunting story and, or a farming story, and it, and it tied to a message. And, and although I didn't always pay attention to the message, I always heard the story, and then because I was listening to hear that story, that message would lock in my head, and it made it stick. And, that, and it's not for the purpose of seeing how many laughs I can get. And that's, it is funny, and, it, and it's great to laugh. But the purpose of it is to make things stick in your mind. And the reason they need to stick is because they're very, very important. You, you need this stuff. You, you need the message that God has given me this morning. He didn't give me this message and send me anywhere but here. He sent me here so I know that the message is for this, this group of people. And the purpose of getting up here and acting a fool and singing when I know I can't sing is so that this message will stick so that when you leave out of here today, You've got something to take with you that should be life-changing. It really should be. We're only going to read two verses this morning, and I did, and that's all the verses I gave Nathan. And he said, uh-oh, we're in trouble. He claims that the less, the less verses I give him, the longer I talk. <laughs> so we'll see if he's, he's right. Um, he's up here killing himself laughing at me now. Um, but, but it's only Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. But keep your Bible open because we are going to, flip back for just a minute through Hebrews chapter 11 to pick up some things. And I didn't give them those verses. They're just, we're just going to look at it and, and pull out the ones we want to look at. So keep your Bibles open. We're only going to read two verses this morning. Um, bear with me. It's important. I promise it's way more important than the title. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You may be seated. Now, this passage that we started here with, although we started at chapter 12, verse 1, which is the very beginning of the chapter, starts out with the word, therefore. Therefore is a connecting word. It means that in order for us to understand all of what's coming out of what we just read, we must go back to somewhere else. Well, that somewhere else is actually on back into chapter 10 somewhere, but we're going to go back into chapter 11 to see this therefore. Chapter 11 in the book of Hebrews is known as the book or the chapter of faith, right? It starts out in 11.1 with a, a very defined um, definition, one of the only definitions I know of that's in Scripture. Um, faith is actually defined in Scripture in Hebrews 11.1. And then we get this series of stories about a variety of people and their faith. So we're going to look at that because there's a therefore here. It doesn't necessarily tie into everything we're going to talk about this morning, 
but it's important because we started with a therefore. And if we're going to start with a therefore, you need to know the context of where I'm coming from so you know I didn't make all this up, especially since I'm only using those two scriptures this morning and I'm not going to be bouncing throughout scripture to prove things. I'm going to take it all from this one place. So I wanted to go back in chapter 11 and I want you to see this list. This list in Hebrews 11 is known as the chapter of faith and it's full of examples of living by faith. Let's look at some of these people. Look at verse uh, 2. starts out with um, the elders. So we have elders. Um, verse 4, Abel offered God a more excellent sacrifice. So we've got Abel. In verse 5, by faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. Enoch's on our list. Number 7, by faith Noah being divinely warned. So Noah's on this list. Keep going with me by faith in chapter 8. Abraham, and Abraham has a couple of stories in there. In, in number 11, by faith, Sarah. Boy, we're getting a big list here, right? Um, Abraham again in 17. In verse 20, by faith, Isaac. In 21, by faith, Jacob. You see this? In verse 22, by faith, Joseph. In verse 23, by faith, Moses. Moses has a couple of those in there. Um, verse, uh, in verse 30, the walls of Jericho fall down. In verse 32, um, for the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, uh, Samson, Jephthah, uh, David, Samuel, the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, who worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth, all these having obtained a good testimony through faith. And it goes on to say, and I won't leave it off, did not receive the promise. Now, that's not where we're going this morning, but I wanted you to get a mindset of that list. I want you to understand what these people endured. I want you to see that although some of them have names, some of them don't. Some of them are referred to as elders. Some of them are referred to as women. Some of them are people that were tortured. But it's this great, big, huge list. And we started off with, therefore, we also... So he's trying to put our names on this list. You see that, right? You understand that, right? Therefore, we also, and it ties us to that whole list in chapter 11. Can you imagine that, your name being written with Moses? Can you imagine that, your name being written with David? Can you imagine your name being written with people who were sawn in two, who were crucified upside down, people who were tortured? Therefore, we also... Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, these, now you're not just getting your name on this list. These people <coughs> are not just lived their life and gone on, so to speak. They've become witnesses. 
to you and I and how we walk this life. They've actually become kind of cheerleaders for you and I as we run our race. They've set examples, some of them recorded in great detail, some of them not so much. But they all cheer the same as we run our race. They're all there to encourage us and to tell us and to show us that no matter what you go through in this life, you're not the first one. And you won't be the last one. And it's endurable and it's doable and it's possible for you to face anything in this world and still walk through it in faith. The last time I preached, I left you with a thought about meditation. That Sunday, I felt fine. I got kind of sick that evening, but I felt pretty, you know, I was, I was pretty good that Sunday. And I talked to you about meditation and capturing a thought and having something to meditate on during your day. So that Sunday, I decided I was going to come up with my meditation point for the week. I felt good Sunday. And my mind settled in on... My God is bigger than anything in this world. And my thought process became, and my prayer became, God, no matter what phone calls I get this week, no matter what diagnosis come this week, no matter if it's in my family, in my life, or in the lives of the people you've set me over, nothing in this world is bigger than you. I ain't seen y'all in two weeks. <laughs> five days laying on the couch reminding myself what I said Sunday ain't nothing in this world bigger than my God and then I'd cough for an hour solid at 1230 at night and I'd cough pleading with God please remove this cough and he said it ain't bigger than me and I said you're right it ain't but would you please take it away by the end of the week I was convinced now some of this was medication I told y'all that earlier by the end of the week, I was convinced that Paul's thorn in his side was a cough. <laughs> and I was going, God, if i got to function like this, I don't know if I can do it. And he said, that ain't what you said Sunday. <laughs> and I went, oh, nothing in this world is bigger than my God. And I just kept telling myself, I finally got to a place where I could keep, and I finally shared with Amanda what I had done that Sunday and what I had said. And she said, would you please pick a different meditation point? <laughs> please. <laughs> She said, I think you're proving that. You're fine. Move on to something else. <laughs> because it, it appears in our lives that when you and I set out and declare something, that we get tested on it. We, it, it, it that's real, right? That's not just me. That's not the medicine talking. That's real stuff. You do realize that no matter what you face in this world, it's not bigger than your God. And there's some big stuff in this world. I talked to Andrew this morning. Y'all know, y'all been getting the messages about, um, 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 I was trying to say Ronnie Lang. That's the one I was looking for. <laughs> if I ain't funny to nobody else in here, I'm funny to HG. 105 temperature for, for little Lang and, and I run to the emergency room. And it breaks, and I go back home, and then it pops up again, and you're back up there. And then they, they told them at one point we're fixing to have to get him to Vanderbilt, and they called Vanderbilt. There was some um, something in one of the tests that was a wrong number. It shouldn't have been that way. 
and they were fixing to rush him out, and they called Vanderbilt, and Vanderbilt says, no, do that test again in about three hours and see where it's at, and they redid the test, because he said, during that three hours, man, I couldn't function. I mean, we're talking about my baby. <laughs> you know, it just, and in three hours, they redo the test, and everything's back like it is, and they send them on home. And it's just all these questions and no answers. What, what's going on? Why this? Why that? And to sit, for me to sit here and tell you and to tell him nothing in this, nothing in this world is bigger than God. Can you really grasp that this morning? Can you really understand that? Because listen to me. We come into this place this morning, you and I. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be like the author of Hebrews. If you'll notice... Um, the author of Hebrews, by the way, is, is undetermined. Nobody can solidly put a name on it. A lot of people have tried to place it to a lot of different people that have wrote other books in the Bible, and it don't line up. The, the language and stuff don't line up. So what you need to know is the writer of the Hebrews is the Holy Spirit, just like the writer of every other book of the Bible. The Holy Spirit wrote it. And this author, whoever it is, uses the word us and we a whole lot. If you'll, if you'll look at this, we'll, we're going to look at it here in just a minute in what we just read this morning. He says that. And I'm going to address this with you this morning. I'm going to address it that way with you, us and we. Because I'm not talking at you. This, this came to me before it got here, right? So God, God didn't just give it to me to deliver. He gave it to me to meditate on and to figure out how it applies to my life so I can bring it and share it with you. And every one of us, Come into this morning, this into this building this morning with extra weight. Things that slow us down from running the race the way God wants us to run it. Every one of us have got a little something that we could discard. You know, I don't tell, don't share with Nathan or, or Chris. They make up the, the songs and Nathan uh, generally puts our videos together I don't share with them particularly what I'm going to be preaching about I give Nathan a list of scriptures so he can run through them and sometimes a title we played that video this morning man it's perfect spot on spot on listen listen whatever it is now not everything that's holding you back is necessarily a sin that's where our minds always go. And, and that, but you look at this scripture. He says right here, let us lay aside every weight. And then he says, and the sin. Right? So he's talking about two different things. So what can these weights be? What, what could these weights possibly represent to lay aside every weight? Anything that would slow down your race of faith. Listen to this list. This is just what I came up with. This is just what I said when I prayed over this and, and, and what God gave me. You come up with your own list. Here's some weights that I thought of. Listen to this. What about other people? Can other people be a weight? Can they slow you down in your race? Can they hold you back from being exactly what God wants you to be? Other people can. And you know, sometimes the hardest things in this world to get rid of, to get out of our lives is other people. Sometimes removing them is not an option. They're going to be there. Sometimes they're put there so you can know where you stand with God. I used to say so God can know where you stand with him, but that's not correct. God knows where I stand with him. He sees my heart. 
but he puts people in my life and in my path so that I know where I really stand. You know that one person that just rubs you the wrong way, that one person that no matter how hard you try, you, you just can't get past that hurt that they've displayed or brought into your life. No matter how hard you try, you just can't build up the compassion that you need to have in order to pray for that person and in order to minister to that person. That person's a weight in your life. And although it says to lay aside, you can't discard that person. Some of them, some of them you can get away from. Some of them you choose to be around. Some of them you can't. Listen, what can you do to mend that relationship? What can you do to make that a pleasant thing? I got a friend that calls me pretty regular, and, and for the last couple of weeks, this has been his conversation. He's got a guy at work that no matter how hard he tries, every word that comes out of that guy's mouth is a lie. And he's just constantly lying. And, and he said he lies about stuff that don't nobody care about. <laughs> but it bothers me, and it irritates me, and it wells up in me. And he said, I come in every day with my Bible in my hand, I sat down at lunch, and when they're over acting a fool, I sit over here and read my Bible and study and try to be an example and a light. And he said, but this guy, this one guy, as hard as I try, I can't, I can't seem to get past the fact that this guy ain't got a clue. What do I do? And I said, you got to keep doing exactly what God's told you to do. If it's read your Bible at lunch, you better be reading. One of these days, you're going to get an opportunity to stand in front of that guy and plead the gospel with him. Not plead about his lying and what his wrongdoings are, but to share with him that the fact that every one of us need Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. I don't know if any of y'all caught the, the Billy Graham special that was on the other night. I don't even know what channel it was on or how I knew it was on or anything else. It just came on. It was about an hour special, and it was all Billy Graham um, tribute. I walked away from that thing squalling multiple times. I squalled. Of course, part of it was the medicine. That was the other thing that antibiotics do to you. They'll mess with your emotions bad. <laughs> but I probably would have cried at this one anyway. Because I walked away from that thing with this, with this one knowledge of, of Billy Graham and what he stood for and what he believed. Every person everywhere all over this earth Every single individual needs the gospel. And he took it upon himself to get it to as many of them as possible. And I squalled because I ain't done that. That's why I was crying. It was, I was crying out of conviction because of the people that I pass by on a daily basis. That doesn't mean you've got to pack up everything. I mean, he went literally all over the world. You realize when we were in the middle of a Cold War, he was on the other side of the wall. People hated him for that. People ridiculed him for that. But he had prayed earlier when he seen that situation brewing and prayed and asked God, would you please send me over there? Those people need to hear the gospel. So when the opportunity came, he couldn't say no. He'd been praying for that opportunity. He had to go, even though they were our enemy. People weight you down. You've got to learn to love every single one of them, no matter what they've done, no matter how severe it is, no matter how painful it is. Listen to this. Sometimes fear of ridicule may be your weight. You've got to lay it down. You can't walk through this world worried about what people are going to think of you if you do what God's told you to do. You can't. You cannot allow people to determine when, how, and where you serve God. You can't do that. You've got to get over this fear of ridicule. Yes, you're probably going to be laughed at. Yes, I get made fun of all the time. I kind of took a liking to it. 
I mean, it's just more normal to me now than not getting made fun of from some of these folks. Yes, they're probably going to laugh at you. Yes, some people are going to hurt your feelings. Yes, some people are not going to want to find, want not want to be around you when they find out what you stand for. They don't have no use for you anymore. It's okay. Don't let the fear of ridicule stop you from being who God has called you to be. And I mean running this race the way he said run it. Not running it just the way you think it ought to be run or the way mom and daddy said it, whatever. Run it the way God said run it. Listen, this is, this is an important race. This is an important thing to, to, to complete. What about the fear of embarrassment? You know, some of us are held back because we fear what people are, are going to be laughing at us. We're going to be embarrassed by our, like getting up here and singing, let it go, let it go. Hey, listen, you just got to let it go. You just got to turn it loose. You can't hold on to this stuff because when we read this and we talk about the, the, this um, laying aside every weight that slows you down, our mind goes to sin. It ain't always sin that's holding you back. It's not. It can become sin. You know what I found out is, is a thing that holds me back? <laughs> is a big, ugly, one-eyed demon that sits in my living room that my family worships. Think about it. The thing sits out there and every seat in the house is pointed towards that thing. And you don't think it's an idol? Well, how can that be bad? Well, it don't have to be, but it can hold you back when what's coming on that tube is more important to you than what God's called you to go out here and do. When your schedule is set by what's coming on that crazy thing, listen, ain't nothing on it. It ain't. A little sports event every once in a while. The rest of that stuff, it ain't worth, I mean, what does it benefit? Where's the benefit to it? You, you know another one that we all, y'all, listen. You know the next one on our list? <laughs> every one of us. Some people's life revolves around this thing. If it quits, the day's over. They're going somewhere to get another right now. Right? See, these things by itself, this is not sin. By itself, that television is not sin. It's where I place it that makes it sin. But can it be a weight and still not be a sin? Yeah. Yeah, if this is more important to me than what God has called me to do and it somehow interferes, for example, if I go in and I say, man, I wish I had more time to study my Bible. <laughs> And I sat down in my chair with my Bible laying on the thing, and I pick this up and pop it open here and start playing some crazy game for 15, 20, 30 an hour. Right? Now, now that has become a weight. Same thing with the television. If I come in and flip it on and sit there beside my Bible, I mean, it's sitting right beside most of you. You've put it in a good place where you could get to it, but the remote control was sitting on top of it, so you grabbed it first. Right? Maybe today when you go in, put your cell phone and your remote control under your Bible. So you got to pick it up to get to it and see if it'll help you any. And I ain't just talking to y'all, I'm talking to me too. Because I do the same thing. And I get to the end of the week and go, man, I didn't have no time to study. And go, God, God goes, yeah. Yeah, you had time. You just didn't use it right. See, it don't have to be a sin that's holding you back. Your weight don't have to necessarily in and of itself be a sin. 
But you've got to find that weight, and we're going to find out why it's so important to get rid of that weight. You've got to get rid of those weights, whatever it is. Listen, I, I can give you a partial list, but there ain't no way I can discuss everything that's a possibility for this list. You know, you self-examine, you be honest with yourself this morning. You just be honest. All I'm asking you to do is, hey, if you ain't got no weights, you ain't got no weights. But be honest about it. Because you can tell me whatever, anything you want to tell me, and I'll probably believe you because I think all of you are just that kind of people. You can't tell God just anything. You can't tell him just anything. So if it's an issue, if it's, if it's a weight, admit that it's a weight. Now the next thing is sin. The next thing he says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us lay aside the weights, which is the things we just talked about, not a complete list, an incomplete list. You come up with the rest. And the sin. Because there are things that are sin that do hold us back from being exactly what God wants us to be. I came up with a short list, a very short list. I just flipped over here to one scripture over in Colossians and just kind of read through it and then put it in my mind. It's actually a list there, and I took some of them and added some to it. It's not a complete, so I ain't going to take you there. But, but I'm telling you, this is not a complete list. But here's some of the things that God showed me. Anger. Anger's, anger's a sin. How many of you can't get past that thing that person did to you that time? And every time you see them, it infuriates you, and you become angry. That's holding you back. That is, God, that is keeping you from being what God desires for you to be. There's so much more to living this life with God as your captain, as your, as your Lord. At Christ as your There's so much more to this life that we don't get to experience because we've got stuff holding us down. Things like sin holding you back and keeping you from being. It, anger, get rid of it. Drop it. Let it go. I'll guarantee you it's doing more damage to you at your house than it is them at their house. They don't, they don't forgot about it. They don't forgot. But it's tearing you out by the roots. And God's going, I just need you to do this, but you've got to get past that first. You've got to lay that aside. You've got to let it go. Listen, this is not a complete list. Fornication. Listen to me, guys. There's numbers out there as high as 9 out of 10 are addicted to pornography. 9 out of 10. Now, I, you know, I, I'm not one to just jump on one set of numbers. There's also numbers that say somewhere around 6 out of 10. That's still a lot. Still a lot. Hey, just be honest with yourself. You know, it ain't no more accessible. Ain't never been no more accessible than it is today. And for a lot of people, it starts out as, as, as an accident, honestly. I remember the first few times I tried to use Google, I got in trouble. Because the words I use for stuff and the words the rest of the world use for stuff ain't the same words. And I ended up in places that I deemed, I told my wife, I will not be searching things. If I need something looked up, I'll have you do it because obviously I don't know how to work this thing. Sometimes it's innocent how it gets started and where it kicks off from. But it ain't innocent when you don't try to stop it. Listen, guys, there's things built inside of you and hardwired inside of you that, believe it or not, you ain't got no control over. You see that he goes on to say these are things that so easily ensnares us. 
In other words, you don't wake up in the morning and go, hey, I'm going to go be sinful today. <laughs> no, you just turn around and you're in the middle of it. But it's keeping you from being exactly what God wants you to be because you can't say no to it. Listen, if you can't turn on your phone without looking at that garbage, then don't have a phone. Get you a beeper and let your wife contact you that way. Amen. Go out here and get you one of them prepaid phones that ain't got no internet on it. Get you a flip phone where you can't see the screen. It won't be so fun to look at. Maybe four, maybe four, four uh, G LTE and 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 HD, four D, whatever they call it, is your problem. Go backwards a few steps. Do something. Make some effort. Make some effort to defeat this stuff and get this stuff laid aside. Listen to me. Let it go. You got to let it go. Because it's keeping you from being exactly what God desires for you to be. It's slowing you down in this race. Listen, we're fixing to find out this race is not a sprint. And the more junk you're dragging with you, the less likely you are to get to the end of it. Point blank. That's why this is so important. <coughs> so important for you to know that there's a great cloud of witnesses, people that's already done it, already been through it, already survived it, and got through it with their faith intact. They've already made it. And they're rooting for you to make it. They've set a standard before us. They endured things me and you can't imagine with their faith still intact. You can too, but you've got to be willing to let it go. You've got to be willing to lay it aside. You've got to be willing to turn loose of this junk. I, my, my, my list is short. Listen to me. Greed. Greed. Just can't get enough. No matter what God supplies, you can't have enough. This is one I fought with for a long time. I really did. The last thing, I'll be honest with you, the last thing that me and my wife turned over to God was our finances. Because we liked it the way it was. We didn't want him messing with it. And then we turned around one day and we had 82 cents between us. Is that the right number? I always get the number wrong. What's the number? 81 cents. I got closer, though. I used to say 84. We had 81 cents between us. That's what was in both of my pockets, both of her pockets, the checking account, the, the savings account, the whole nine yards. And the reason we had to get there was because I was greedy. It had never been there before. But when we finally decided between the two of us, there's no way our numbers are going to work out today. <laughs> We're going to have to do something different. And we came to the altar and laid the checkbook down and went, okay, God, whatever you tell us to do with it, that's what we're going to do. Today we don't make a financial decision without prayer. None. We don't. Some people may say I'm tight and I squeak when I walk and all that stuff. My sister says it all the time. But really what I'm trying to do is use it to be pleasing to God, whatever that means. If he tells me that we can buy a vehicle, then we buy a vehicle. If he tells us that, that we can build a house, we built a house. But if he tells us we need to give more than we spend, you know what we do? Man, sometimes it hurts. But you know what? That's a good way to fight greed. <laughs> it is. It really is. It's, it's, it's what God done in my life to make it take place. And, and you know what? If he tells me tomorrow to give away everything I got, I would. I really would. My wife will even if God don't say so. 
She just likes to give. She just likes to look on your face when she hands you something. If it's up to her, we wouldn't have nothing. And she'd be okay with that. Now, me, on the other hand, I, you know, I'm a little more reserved. It's got to be wrote on the mirror or something. But I'm learning to hear God's voice on, on subjects and matters that are hard for me. Because that's where I need his guidance and his direction is the places where it's hardest for me. So I have to spend more time praying over those things and meditating on those things and going, God, I don't know how I'm going to get through this one, but I know this. It ain't bigger than you. <laughs> so whatever you say, that's how I'm going to go around it. Boy, that's hard. I'm going to go on and just tell you before you start crying. It's hard. It's tough. It, you'll want to quit. You'll want to give up, I promise. But listen, here's how we're not going to do that. Here's, we're going to keep going. i got just a couple more sins, and I'm going to move on and get towards the end of this thing. I don't have but two more pages of notes, and I, I, I'm not going to let Nathan be right today. We kind of touched this already, but what about idolatry? You know, we don't, we don't really call it that in, in, our, in our homes. <coughs> and in the things that we're dealing with and messing with, we don't really call it idolatry. Matter of fact, we don't call sin, sin at all because that's uncomfortable. It's true. We'll give it a different name. We'll, we'll paint it up real fuzzy so it's comfortable to sit beside. And we'll get used to it being there, and then we don't even have zero desire to deal with it or sin. But I, I, I got that thing about the TV out of, I think it was David Platt, that talked about going to a foreign country, and he went into this house, and, and of course he was ministering to people, but he was ministering to people that were idol worshipers. And he went into this house, and it was actually a hut, more like it, and, and every piece of furniture that you sat on was facing this idol in the middle of the room, and he thought, that is I mean, it is so obvious that these people are idol worshippers. I mean, this is idolatry to the max. I mean, every seat in the house faces this idol. And then he got home and walked into his living room. <laughs> you know what he saw? Every seat in the house was facing the television, just like it was that idol. And although we don't call ours an idol, it can be. And for many people, it is. There are so many people whose schedule is based on what's coming on that blasted thing. It's an idol. There are so many things you can worship. You can worship money. You can worship children. You can worship a TV. You can worship a cell phone. Listen, you were created. Idolatry is probably one of the biggest things that's holding people back from being what God wants to be, them to be, in my opinion. Because I believe that you were created to worship. I can show you that in Scripture. And if you don't pick what you're going to worship correctly, it's going to be bad. And it's going to be idolatry. Because anytime you worship anything besides the creator of all things, it's idolatry. And he so sternly warns us against that. You can worship your spouse. You can worship your children. People do that. They put them on a pedestal. And tell them they can never do anything wrong. And then they prove it by walking beside them and correcting the things they do wrong so nobody ever notices that they did anything wrong. And then they grow up and move out of the house and we got to deal with them. Thanks, Mom. Thanks, Dad. 
idolatry. If these things creep in, you don't wake up in the morning and raise your hand and go, oh, I think I'll go sin today. Uh, let's pick um, idolatry. It don't happen that way. Nobody does it that way. It creeps in on you when you're not looking. And then again, we rename it. We justify it. We get mad at Nick because he called it idolatry. And all the way home, you explain to your wife why your TV is not idolatry. <laughs> hey, I've been in those cars. I've rode those rides. I know. You've got to call it what it is. You've got to mend the things in your life that are keeping you from being what God desires you to be. You're working so hard. You're working so hard to put on a show. You're working so hard to make it look a certain way. Just be honest with yourself. Be honest with God. Call it what it is and find a way to address it. Lay it aside. Mend those relationships. Get past that anger. Work on these things. And the only way you're ever going to see any change in it is for you to dig it out of the closet and address it. You can't let it go if you've got it covered up and stored away. Listen to me. When, when, when Jesus got to the tomb of Lazarus, his sisters, Lazarus' his sisters had come and got him and brought him up there, and he goes, walks up there and he goes, remove that stone, and they go, oh, wait a minute. <coughs> you can't do that. He said, move it. They said, hey, he's been dead three days. He's going to stink. It's going to be a stench. It ain't going to be pleasant. And Jesus told them, move it. They moved it, and he called to Lazarus, and he walked out. If you don't get through that stink, you ain't never going to see that victory. you got to be willing to smell it. It's going to be funky. you got to pick this stuff up, and I know it's going to hurt, and I know people are going to look at you funny, and I know it's probably even going to hurt somebody, maybe hurt somebody, when you admit to whatever it is and start working on it. But listen to me, you're not going to find that victory if you don't get through that stench. Yes, it's going to stink. Yes, it's going to hurt. But I promise you, whatever the battle is, the reward is much greater. So much greater. You've got to let it go. You've got to lay it aside. And sometimes laying it aside means you've got to handle it because you've had it buried for a long time. You've had it put away. Hey, it may not even be sin. Whatever it is that you can think of in your life that's holding you back, here we go. Let's finish this. We got through the easily ensnares us. Don't forget that. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Listen, one of the toughest things about running this race of faith is you don't get to choose the course. It's kind of like those railroad tracks. Sometimes where God's leading you, you ain't got no desire to go. Y'all ever heard of Jonah? Sometimes you just don't want to go. But I promise you, I promise you it's worth it. Listen, this is a race of endurance. This is not a sprint. You know the difference, right? I wanted to compare this to a marathon, but I said, you know what? No, this ain't a marathon. It's more like them folks, I don't know why they do it. I don't understand running. Look at me. I don't understand it. I found a proverb, and I was going to use it, and I chose not to that tells us that only wicked people run when nothing chases them. 
So I don't know why they do it. But now running 15 mile, whatever a marathon is, they got to go run in the woods and up the hills and through the mud and splashing in the creek. What is wrong with them people? Go find you a flat spot and run if you want to run. Why are you running through the hardest stuff you can find? But that's more like what this race is like that we're in in faith. It's an endurance race, and it's a bunch of garbage out there in front of you, and it's limbs slapping you in the face and logs trying to trip you and mud holes you got to swim through and fight through, and it's falling down and getting nasty and getting back up and keeping on running. That's what this faith race looks like. It does. You know what? Paul proclaimed, I have finished the race. Y'all remember that scripture? Paul said that, didn't he? He said, I've got to the end. I've finished the race. Would you go back and look at Paul's life and look at his race? It wasn't on flat ground. He wasn't running on asphalt. I'm talking about in chains. I'm talking about shipwrecks. I'm talking about runs. But stoned, left for dead. They drug him outside the city and left him there, walked away thinking he'll be dead in a couple hours. Looked up and he's coming back in preaching again. Right? That's what this race looks like that we're in. This ain't no easy thing. This ain't flat ground and on pavement. It's up and down hill and through the woods and, and all that stuff. But it's a race of endurance, and you ain't going to make it dragging all this junk you're trying to drag. you got to let it go. you got to turn it loose. you got to lay this stuff aside. There's no way you can be what God has called you to be dragging all that garbage. You can't. You've got to let it go. You've got to turn it loose. You've and listen, the first thing you got to do is be honest with yourself because we're fixing to have an altar call. Let me tell you what it's going to look like. They're going to come up here, and, and Chris and them's going to play a song, and it's going to be great because it always is. And we're going to stand, and y'all going to sing, and y'all going to sing good because you always do. But if you don't be honest with yourself and address something this morning, you'll walk out of here the exact same person you walked in as. And you won't be no different. And you'll go through this week dragging that garbage just like you did last week. And the week before that and the week before that. At some point, you've got to be honest with yourself. At some point, you've got to stand up and raise your hand and go, you know what, I've screwed up. <laughs> Let me get on my knees and talk to God about this. Let me put my face in this altar and talk to God about this. Let me get up there and lay this aside. Let me be honest with me. Let me have a conversation on the way home with my spouse that says, baby, I've done it wrong a long time, but I'm ready to get it right. Have a conversation on the way home with your kids and go, listen, son, listen, daughter, I ain't always done it right, but I'm willing to change it today if you'll just bear with me. So that you can be exactly what God has called you to be. Be honest with yourself. Quit worrying about what everybody else is going to think if you come to this altar. Some of you ain't even got salvation yet. And you're playing a game and you're walking through this thing. And I got bad news. When judgment day comes, it's going to be too late. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with yourself and let it go. Lay that garbage aside. Don't walk out of here the same person you walked in as. Every one of us are still the clay and he's still the potter. That tells me we all need a little more shaping. Even, even me, even Kevin, we need a little something. We need a little adjustments here and there along the way. Yeah, I may have dealt with my greed, but I promise you there's some other things on my list. 
Listen, this message didn't come to you before it got to me. I had to go through this. I've spent the last week looking at this. This ain't what I wanted to preach this morning. You can ask Kevin. I told him about a week ago what I was going to preach. This ain't it. Because this this is hits at my house too. I don't want to be the guy that has to stand up here and tell you all the hard stuff and challenge you. But you know what? You've got to be challenged because you're content with where you're at. You've got to get off of that rail. You've got to get started listening to God and get on the trail he wants you on. And yes, it's probably going to be tough. And yes, it's probably going to be hard. And yes, people's going to hurt your feelings. And yes, you're going to have to say I'm sorry a few times. I even have to still today look at people in the eyes when they ask me questions and go, I don't know. I don't like that. But i got to be honest with them. Some things you ain't going to have an answer to. I'm sorry. Some things are going to hurt more than others. I'm sorry. Some things ain't going to be fair. You're going to look at it and go, that ain't fair. It ain't fair. It stinks. It hurts. I shouldn't have to sacrifice on behalf of somebody else. But when I sat down with that scripture, you know what I find out? Christ done it for me. He sacrificed when he didn't have to. He made a sacrifice far greater than anything I can ever do. And you know who I was? There ain't no more wretched than me. I couldn't talk in front of my mama because of the words that might come out of my mouth and I was embarrassed by it. I didn't know what a husband looked like, much less try to be one. And you know what? Christ saved me. I was wretched. I didn't deserve anything he done for me. Does it hurt? Yes, it hurts. It hurts to the point of tears sometimes. Trying to walk this, this walk and run this race and be what God's called you to be, it stinks some days. But if you don't get through the stench, you'll never see the victory. And I promise you that trophy is going to be the biggest thing this world's ever seen. It's worth it. It's worth every minute of it. It's worth it. The top's on, don't worry. It does hurt. It does stink. But it's got to be handled. Let's finish this. Looking unto Jesus. This is the only way. This is it. This is your answers. How do I run this race? How do I stay on course? How do I get, where do I get the endurance? How do I learn how to lay it aside? How do I learn where do I put it? Where do I lay it? How do I get rid of it? How do I deal with it? Here it is. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Look at this. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. You know what he focused on? The reward. The joy that would become when he was obedient. You know what it's going to take for you to endure this race and make it all the way to the end with your faith intact and get through this tough race that we're in? You know what it's going to take? It's for you to be focused on the, the joy, the reward that is to come because you've done this, because you have done it right. Listen, if you try to keep dragging this garbage and running this race, you're going to be wore out. You ain't going to make it. You're going to lay down and give up. You will. You will. It's hard enough without taking anything extra. Y'all ever notice them runners? And again, y'all know how I feel about runners. Me and my wife seen one on a bicycle yesterday. She said, them clothes ought to be illegal in public. <laughs> but if you ever notice, they get down to next to nothing, don't they? I mean, they got on the tightest, 
pants they can find. They, they slanky. You know what I'm saying? They ain't got they ain't carrying nothing extra, if you know what I mean. They done got down there where they ain't got carrying nothing extra. That everything is just slicked off. They shave their body. They ain't they ain't taking nothing with them. You know what I'm saying? They ain't got no extra weight. You know why? Because they got to run a long way. And you know what? They know that you need to know. The less weight you carrying, the further you can run. So it's time to let it go. It's time to trim it down. It's time. It's time to get started. Hey, you may not can get rid of all of it today. I feel you. <laughs> it may take a little time. I'm with you. But I promise you, it'll be worth it. It'll be worth every, every ounce of suffering that it brings, every ounce of sacrifice that it brings, every ounce of hurt, every ounce of stench. I promise you, if you'll start getting this stuff out and start dealing with it, I promise you, it'll be worth every bit of it. The reward is greater than the battle every time. Every time. Stay in it. Let it Go, let it go, let it go. Turn it loose. Look to Christ. That's the only answer. That's the only place. That's the only way. He's got all the answers. Focus on Him. Not what's around you, not the terrain, not how steep the hill is, not how bad it sinks. Don't focus on stuff around you. Focus on Christ. Get set and go. Get rid of it. Let it go. Turn it loose. Lay it down. Come on, Chris, where you at? Bring that band up here. We're going to have a time of invitation, and I'm going to beg and I'm going to plead like y'all ain't never seen before. I, 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 you know, we, we, um, Kevin and I, neither one, we don't try to drag it out. We don't try to, you know, just stand up here and we figure the guilt will get to you and you'll finally come. That ain't the mindset. It's really not. I don't judge what I've done by how many people come to the altar. We can't do that. If we did, me and him both would have had to done quit. We'd have turned in one of those resignations we wrote one of them Mondays. <coughs> but what I do know is I am not the only person in here that's got some weight to let go of. I'm not the only one in here that knows that there's something to let go of this morning. So I'm going to beg you. If God has spoke to you through this this morning, if, if something has come into your mind and, and something I said sparked something, maybe it was a song, maybe it's something they're fixing to sing, and you go, I need to deal with that, please come to this altar this morning, kneel down, humble yourself, and ask God to guide you as you start the journey of laying it aside, whatever it is. Hey, you may, it may be something you can get right here, and when you, by the time you get to your seat, it's gone. But listen... Faith in God is also faith in God's timing. Trusting God is also trusting His timing. So if it's not the case, and it is something you're going to have to deal with and something you're going to have to address, stick with it until it's dealt with, until it's gone. You will benefit. Your family will benefit. Your spouse, will. your co-workers, your fellow student, everybody around you will benefit from you running this race of faith. They will. They really, really will, I promise you. Hey, you can look out across this world and see some old nasty, messed up, twisted stuff going on. It's scary out there. But you know how it's going to get changed? One person at a time, and it starts right here. That guy I shave with, that's where it's at. 
deal with it this morning. Address it this morning. Look at it. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with God. Y'all stand.